I'll get started here. Uh, one of the men would praise the Lord for his, for his, you know, wonderful works and his goodness toward him. So what he's saying, he said, you know, my works toward you are, you know, they're all over. My goodness toward you there, but he said, you need to recognize it. I, I, I just wish you would recognize it. You know, not because God has an ego, you know, but you can enhance the blessing once you discover that it's there. If you, if you don't recognize it, you know what I mean? There's just a, you know, it's almost you're just consuming it without enjoying it. And God wants you to be able to recognize it and, and enjoy it. And so <clears throat> anyway, so many wonderful things that are happening, I believe. And, and today uh, we have this uh, movie and, and, you know, years ago, maybe you wouldn't have done that, but uh, it's not years ago. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's now. And anyway, it's about forgiveness, and we're on a journey in this church to, to discover, uh, 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 you know, uh, it, and bring together generations. Uh, and uh, this is just a first step, uh, an element to, to, to see how we interpret the same thing and discover that and, and just kind of move along. This is a journey. So, because there's five generations basically that uh, exist at a given time in, uh, on the planet Earth. A generation is between 12 and 13 years. In other words, the commonality of how we think and how we, you know, the important things, our, our morals and everything like changes in a, it, it kind of in a, you know, 12 to 13 year period, according to Barna. And so uh, five different ones, and, and we got all five of them here, you know, and uh, uh, I'm on the other end of, <laughs> of the generations. And, uh, uh, but I want to, I want to go ahead and, uh, you know, assist uh, the next generations and, and, uh, not just be my generational stuck. I want to be, you know, generational, uh, being able to reach, uh, you know, and communicate. And so this is just a, you know, a step in that direction and, um, we'll see how it goes. All right. So thank you, Father. And then uh, uh, before I uh, uh, preach the word this morning, uh, I would like to uh, 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 remind us of something that I shared with you, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, how that God prepares a table before us. And, and here's what he spoke to my heart with regard to this, okay? In Psalms uh, 23, one of the favorite Psalms, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. So... Uh, who is it that qualifies for these promises? If Jesus is Lord in your life. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. If Jesus is Lord in your life, then you qualify for the promises that, that are there in Psalms 23. And, uh, uh, but the point that God made reference to that particular morning, and again this morning, is thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So, the, so, so he, he's, he's saying, you know what I mean? In other words, you know, God is catering something for you. This is not bag lunch like we're having the day. <laughs> he's catering something for you in the midst of your situation. You have, you have enemies, enemies of your life, enemies, you know, your family, uh, enemies of your convictions, enemies, you know what I mean? Just, it falls in so many areas, and there's enemies, and, and so they're all around. And God says, I'm, I'm, I'm making a table for you, you know, in the middle of them. 
all right? And uh, he says, you need to focus on the table and not on the enemy. He says, what you're doing is, you know, you believe the table is set, but you are being consumed by the enemy. That's where your attention is at. You're not noticing, you know, the abundance and the peace and everything that can come when your focus is in the right place. See, the enemy's there, but he says, I don't want you to, you know, focus on that. I don't want you to worry about that because that's where I'm setting it. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. We want, a, we want our table in a perfect environment, and God says, I'm going to put the table, you know what I mean, in not so comfortable environment. Because I, I want you to, I want the enemy to see, you know what I mean, that, that I'm in charge. I want the enemy to see my favor that's yours. And that I'm going to work in your life. And so, so then we go, well, pastor, what's on that table? Probably different for every one of you because your need is different. You know, how you are strengthened is different. What your vision is is different. But it says that he will give us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So God is interested in, you know, actual living. You are not going to escape it. He said, you're in your world, but you're not of the world. But he said, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, just living. How you're living, you know. I want to see to it that there is that supply, there is that care in, in, in your life. And then he puts the whipped cream on it, you know what I mean? And he adds himself. <laughs> Godliness. Godliness. So, you know, I bring that to you because he brought it to me. And that is that, that uh, start seeing the table and not just the enemy. That could be the complications. That could be, you know, anything that would diminish, you know, the setting. Worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, you know, and start partaking of the table that he's set for us. And of course, you can just keep going, you know, with this table, but uh, amen? Amen. Amen. And then he says also, I, I tell you why this is so important, because it's really a holy, a holy buffer for life. Life will just have, will buffet you. Scripture says that, 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 you know, in Paul's life, he had a buffet, opposition that always buffeted him. And then he finally come to the realization, you know what I mean, that, you know, there's a sufficiency of grace for this, so... Should I worry about the buffer or should I go ahead and enjoy the grace that's on the table? Now, it's a challenge. If you haven't been doing it, you know, just it's going to take work and effort and focus, but it can be there. And then he also says, I want you to be 
confident and not worry about your future. He didn't say, go for your future, don't plan for your future, don't invest in your future. But you don't worry about your future because you think it's going to be successful. You worry about your future because you're afraid that it won't be. It says that he prepares a, prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm on a journey. I'm going someplace. The end, hallelujah, is awesome. Give the Lord a praise. Yes. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. We have followed me all of my days. You say, well, pastor, I've had some bad days, you know? Well, I want you to know something. If you stop looking at your bad days and start discovering the goodness and the mercy in the day, praise God, all of a sudden, things will begin to, you know, uh, you'll be re- revitalized in your soul and you'll be able to sit down and enjoy God's table, all right? So he's catering for you at his table. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We bless the people. God, we pray for the VBS that's coming up. God, you've been so faithful, so so good to us, and the workers have been so diligent, Father, and we just are believing for the impact of it, not just for the year, but for life. Father, you've said that if we will invest, God, you will watch the crop for us, and we thank you for that. And we pray for every crop. And by that crop, I mean this morning, not just those that are farmers, Lord, but everyone's field today, that it will be divinely protected, divinely God-inspired and influenced, and have a divine uh, harvest in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Um, Yes. I want to talk to you this morning... And uh, I'm going to focus on two books, but there are at least five books that the Scripture says that God has. God has books, his record-keeping. Now, I don't know what his books look like. I don't know if they're like our archives here, you know, and, 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 uh, but he uses us so we could understand that just as you keep record, God keeps record. He keeps record. There is, you know, there's the book of living. The book of living. And the, the book of living really is a, is a book about everyone that's born. It's about everybody that's born. They're in that book. And uh, uh, it is similar to a, uh, a registry. <clears throat> the, the older cultures uh, during Jesus' day and before, every city would have a registry of those that lived in it. And uh, so your name was there if you, were, if you lived in that city. And the only way that uh, that name would get blotted out of that registry was that if you committed a, you know, a crime that was so egregious that, uh, and you were found guilty of it, such as murder... All right, if you were found guilty of murder, then they would blot your name out of the registry. 
All right? Now, we see reference to this in Exodus chapter 32. You know, when the children of Israel had come uh, and had made the golden calf. And so God is pretty upset. All right? God's willing to just, just, you know, cancel everything and start with Moses. That's what he said. I'll cancel everything and we'll just, we'll start afresh with Moses. And Moses intercedes for him and he says, wait a minute, God. He says, if you're going to do that, I want you to blot my name out of the book of life. Book of living. Blot it out. And God says, no, he says, he says, those that sin against me, those are the ones I will blot out. But noble, uh, Moses is noble here. He's doing an intercessory you know, part there. So there is that element of uh, that book of living. And then also there is the, uh, uh, the Lamb's book of life. There's a connection between those two, but they're not the same. There is a book of tears. Yes, there's a book of tears. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into those. There's a book of the work of the saints. And what we're going to look at this morning is book of destiny and the book of remembrance. Book of remembrance this morning, I think, yeah, with an emphasis on a, a book of Remembers. But let's start with the, the, the book of destiny. It says in Psalms 139, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. All right? All the features of your body, the gen- genetic formation, you know, of you, we're all written in God's book of destiny. And it says, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. We had not lived any of them, any of those, uh, those particular days. It says that God has thoughts toward us. And so in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says that before I formed thee, I knew thee and ordained you for a prophet to the nations. So we begin to get a look at the book of destiny. You know, the book of destiny is about you, about God's plan for you, about your potential that God, you know, has already thought about and decided with regard to you. The features of your body, how good-looking you are. Now, that, you know, I don't know this weight thing. I don't know if he registers that. You know what I mean? That might, you know, personal preferences, you know, as we go along in life. Who knows? Uh, You know, but anyway, it, it really has to do with your potential, and it also has to do with how long you live. It's a, it's a book of information, you know, from your birth till death. And uh, there are, you know, uh, variables with it, but 
let me just start with it. Everyone has a destiny. Don't destroy your destiny and your potential. Let me start with a phrase that can be run off, but you need to hook up with God. See the youth in me already? (laughs) That's interpretive, isn't it? Yes. Jeremiah 29, 11, the one that we love, I know the plans I have for you. Okay, this is part of that book of destiny. Plans of good and, and not of evil to give you a, a prosperous end and a, and a peaceful, uh, peaceful end. So you need to really, you know, just settle into who God has made you. Yeah. And we need to settle in when it comes to others who, and how God has made them. So Book of Destiny. Let me show you how that you can get on track and get off track. But if you can get off track, you can get back on track. Some aborted destinies. Remember King Saul? Yeah. Saul aborted his full destiny because he needed human applause. That's just simplifying it. He needed that continual constant praise of men. And so he began to lean toward that rather than lean toward God. God says, when you were small in your own eyes, I was doing great things in your life. Then there's Solomon. Solomon, the... So much is written about him, and he, and he wrote so much. But he aborted the full potential of his destiny because he let idolatry in his, to his life because of the pleasure of women. It was women who brought idolatry into Solomon's life. And so, you know, he didn't finish his full destiny. Samson started out powerfully in life with a destiny, and yet his lifestyle, his choosing of harlots, went ahead and aborted it and though God did wonderful things he spends some period of his life as a prisoner being mocked and being ridiculed until he gets his sails adjusted and he dies 
the last days of his life. Destiny. It says that Uzziah, Uzziah, it was pride. This man, God was using, he was doing great things for the Lord, and God himself said that the problem is now that why we have to cut it short is pride has entered your, your heart. And so they walked in their destiny for a short time. And so we don't want to abort. And you can extend your destiny. You can extend your destiny. By that, I'm not saying that everyone has the opportunity, but we do have record of it that Hezekiah, God sent the prophet to him, and he says, tell him to set his house in order because he's going to die. It's an encouraging prophet's message, isn't it? And Hezekiah, you know, responds to it on his knees. On his knees, he begins to cry out to the Lord. The Bible says that God heard his cry and saw his tears. And so he sends the prophet back to him, and, you know, as a result, his life was extended. You can extend your life. And when you extend your life, you extend your ministry. If you'll honor your father and your mother, and we just come from Mother's Day, but it's not just a one-day thing. It is a life thing. Honor it. Honor it. According to Psalm chapter 91, verse 16, that righteousness will or equals a long life. Righteousness. And notice what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, the NLT version. Not your destiny, your choice. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. See, when you become a Christian, you need to lay down the old formats and pick up the new one. We've been created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things which he planned for us long ago. Book of Destiny. Discovering what that is begins to unfold in your life when you discover that Jesus is the one that writes the book. And so your life is not an accident this morning. You have a destiny, but you have to complete it. They're planned. They're written in the book. God knows everything about what's going to happen in your life, and he's not surprised by anything. Why is this life so important? 70, 80 years? 
the oldest person in the world as we know it, as we know it, 114, and she just passed away. Just passed away. But why is life so important? Because it's a preparation for the next. What you learn to do and how you do on earth, you know what I mean? It can have a great effect in your eternity. He that is faithful in little things shall be made ruler over many things. Now I want you to know why, I see why this stuff is so important. Is because it's just not, not about one person here and one person there. Scripture refers that there's some people that are going to be in charge of cities. Are you ready, you know what I mean, to oversee a city? I suppose we should be able to handle our own life before we can go ahead and expect to be... I don't know. I mean, I would think so. God's given you a destiny, something to do in this life, and something only you can do. There are other people that may do it also, but they won't do it quite like you do it. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves because they that compare themselves among themselves are just not wise. You're either going to feel lesser or you're going to feel better. Neither one of them is very, you know, good posture of thinking to be in. The one will make you lose friends and the other one, you know what I mean? You won't even be friendly. <laughs> God wired you, gave you ambition, desires, and drives to, to play a particular part and a role in, in history. Would I be arrogant if I said, nobody can do this job better than I can do it? Not this job. Because this is my job. This is my destiny. You see what I'm saying? Are there better preachers? Absolutely. Better administrators? Absolutely. But you couldn't get along with them. <laughs> they couldn't get along with you. I, I'm trying to give you, you know, a, a very carnal picture here, but you see? See, I know I'm married to the white woman. It's just because I know myself well enough after this many years that, you know, and having met and been around other women, not to the same degree, but <laughs> she's the only one that could handle me. I'm a mess. <laughs> it's your destiny. It's not your mother's. It's not your father's. It's not your pastor's. It's your destiny. 
You can miss God's destiny by wrong choices. And you can recover to God's destiny by right choices. There is anyone here this morning who every day they have made the right choices every day are perfect in every way. How can we miss God's destiny for our lives? Well, I think if we chase pleasure, I think we chase popularity, I think we chase money, and those things, instead of God, you'll miss it. See, those that were chasing God right, you know what I mean? And they aborted their destiny, they got sidetracked. It's what and who is first in your life. That's it. God has nothing against, you know, all the fun things we do. He's given us all things. That's what he said, you know, in life to enjoy. There's an enjoyment side of life that he says is there. But what makes the enjoyment side of life healthy and whole is the right order of life. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. First, his will, his way. Sometimes maybe your life has hit a disaster. Well, God specializes in changing disasters into destinies. He does. You can have God's will for your life even when you mess up. Absolutely. He'll turn it around for you. You know what they called uh, Apostle John? Camel knees. You know that? Camel knees. You know why? His knees were calloused. (laughs) Because he was on them so much. You know? What are we saying? Correction and destiny, you know, is best met on your knees. Now, you can sit in a chair if you want to, but (laughs) prayer. You correct your destiny by prayer. You assure yourselves of the direction that you're going by prayer and the word of God and good counsel. It's never too late to have his perfect will in your life. I think all you got to do is just pray, God, I want your purpose. And I don't think God will let you miss it. I don't know if you 
Remember, I told you this, you know, uh, when I was growing up and, you know, I was, you know, trying to find myself, and I found it when I found God, okay, I, I have nothing wrong with somebody trying to find themselves, you know, how do I fit in life what it is? But I remember a prayer that I prayed when I was just young, Sister Joan, and I said, Lord, I said, no, there's going to be a lot of requests that I'm going to make in life. A lot of those requests are going to be relative to how I'm feeling that day. <laughs> you know? And, and what I think I might be missing out, and I mean, just all these factors of life of Don, who I am, you know. But the one thing that I want is you are separating them in heaven. The one thing that I want to override every request. No matter how urgent I make it, no matter how many, you know, God, you know, how many threats I make to you. <laughs> Not my will, but thine. Be done. Amen. Why? Because I'm too afraid of my own prayers sometimes. That if God would answer them, Something could happen to my spiritual life. Did you know that when the children of Israel, God had went ahead and miraculously delivered them, and now they're wandering in the wilderness, and, and you know, and every morning they get this sweet offer, and, you know, and, and it's just, you know, I mean, it's filled with nutrition. It'll make them healthy, you know what I mean? But as they go along, their taste buds start to interfere. We'd like some flesh because we had it back there. And God went ahead and answered their prayer. And, and I don't know all the details why all of this. You see, you can't just take this as a blanket and throw it over everything. But the Bible says that leanness came into their soul then. Their soul wasn't full and fat and happy with God. If I would have had my way, I'd have been married to the wrong woman. Thank you. It's late. I would laugh too. I come on, church. <laughs> Seriously. It, I mean, this is. I hope this is not too personal, but I mean, I, I, you know, I saw some beauties, and as far as I was concerned, God, this will work. <laughs> Come on, God. And I'm, you know, I'm 25, 26 years old. Everybody around me has got a wife, and they got kids, and here am I, left in the desert, desolate. <laughs> Serving you, going to church every day, working in the church, you know, just doing everything. I mean, God, come on. I qualify. <laughs> Thank God he overrode some of those prayers. 
Thank God he did. Because seriously, I, I have a... I don't. And you, you, you will agree, I have a fantastic wife. Yes, you do. So... Don't be afraid to just go ahead and say, after it's all said and done, not my will, but thine be done. Because I think that in the scheme of father-son relationships, just the heart thing that the, the, the prayer of Jesus was valid. Let this cup pass from me. Yep. Did you know that Jesus had to submit and yield to the will of the Father? Because he told them, he said, don't you know that I can call 12 legions of angels and the Father would immediately release me from this hour? But he says, no, this is what I want. But Father, not my will but thine be done. I think we all need the genuineness of that in our lives. Father, I've got a request. Father, I would like this. Father, I pray, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And in the process of that will, it may not be the most convenient, but it will be the most profitable. Oh, hallelujah. The most profitable. Because one man died, went into the grave, sowed his life to the will of the Father and all of earth is still benefiting from that one, not my will, but thine be done. Yours may not reach the spectrum in the same sphere, you know what I mean, of Jesus Christ because of his plan and his purpose for, for life. But I can guarantee you that you'll affect more lives than just your own by the will of the Father being done in your life. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that if you will pray that, God will execute it in your life and you'll be where you're supposed to be in the type of person that you're supposed to be on time Because he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And then quickly, I want to talk about Book of Remembrance. This may hit and be encouraging to the old more than the young, but I want the young to also capture it. There's a Book of Remembrance. It's found in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16. 
It says, and those that feared the Lord, so notice the kind of people, spoke one to another. That's fellowship. And the Lord listened. And he heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him. So the the scribe is, whether it's an angel or whatever, is, is writing this, and he's writing it before the Lord. And those who fear the Lord and who meditate upon his name, that is, who have given forethought, all right? Meditation is forethought. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord, when I make up my jewels. To remember is a day or something placed in the form of writing. It's a memorial. It's a record. It's, it's written down to remind. It's to mark something, to recount, to mention, to put it down because you want to be remembered. And to put it in this present day, it's God marking his people, placing their name in a special book to ensure favor and blessing upon them in the future. God has a book of, of remembrance. Besides all the other books. It's a book that's connected to your life and to my life. It's a book that holds every act of faithful service that's done for the Lord. Galatians says this, be not weary in well-doing, but, you know, know this, that in due season you shall reap if you faint not. It's a book to assure that not that God forgets, but that so you will understand and I'll understand that God has not forgotten. That God pays attention to what his people do. The good deeds, the good words, the fellowship, the support. Those that think about him, about his greatness, and those that show respect. Things he says that are worthy of being recorded. I've got a book for you. Book for you. The book of remembrance and it is the Feast of Trumpets are, you know, they're almost married together. And the Feast of Trumpets was a time when they got together and the Israelites viewed it as the head of the year, the beginning of the year. A time when, you know, God was going to start something. Move on their behalf in the present year. Remember Mordecai. Mordecai, we discover, had done a gracious deed in his life for the king. And the scribes had written it down. And 
time had passed and life had been going on as normal. And now all of a sudden a plot for Mordecai's life has been planned and, and set up. Wanted to go ahead and, you know, get Mordecai out of his life and really to remove all the, the people of God. And so just before, the day before the hanging, the gallows had been built. The decree had been made, and the next day, Mordecai was going to be hung. The king went to sleep that night, and he couldn't sleep. And so, because he couldn't sleep, he asked his record keepers, would you bring the book of records and the chronicles or the book of remembrance? And it was found written that Mordecai had done this great deed. He had saved the king and The king that night asked, well, what has been done? Book of Remembrance. God's remembrance will come at the right time. God saves, you know, those moments and those times and those, you know, points when he is going to acknowledge and reward for special times. And so the night before his hanging, it is discovered that he has done something great and an honor should be given to him. And of course, we know the story. That the very hangings that were set for him one that had planned the hanging. God has a way of turning the tide. God has a way of remembering at the right time. And that's what Israel knew. Israel knew that. You see, when God acts, everything changes. When God acts, Everything changes. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You will notice that it is formed. It can be up to the night before. But somebody is not going to let, is not going to be able to sleep. And a book of remembrance is going to be brought out. And all of a sudden, your name is going to pop up. And God's going to say, well, it's time. It's time to honor. It's time to reward. 
ask my musicians to come. There's just so much that I could go into, but our time has, has, has passed away. Though reward is delayed, it will never be forgotten. It will never be forgotten. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, which you have shown toward his name. Saints who have labored, be encouraged. Time of remembrance will always come. Young people, as you are paving your way and as you're making decisions in your life, Remember, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Investments made in the kingdom of God will always bring the biggest return. And here's the thing, church. With any investment, the longer it waits, the bigger the return. Anybody got investments knows that, you know. Because listen, it's, it's not like the earth. Where moth and rust corrupt and steal and bring the sum total down. It does not go down in heaven. Woo. Sister Joan, it has not decreased. It has only increased. Imagine that a kind word is worthy, as far as God is concerned, of remembrance. It's worthy. Kind deed, he says, is worthy of remembrance. Mordecai, I just had went ahead and said, you know, he doesn't have really access, but he gets the message of there's a plot against the king. It's a word of heads up. At the right time and the right moment. Work that flows from faith, labor that flows from love, patience that is born of living hope. Those are the things that attract the scribe to writing in the book of remembrance. Matthew chapter 10, it says this, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water, the name of a disciple, I say that he shall by no means lose his reward. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift. But you can and I can can have major investments. It says that the books were open, it's called the book of works. And everyone was judged out of that. And 
the time of reward took place. But the book of remembrance is different than the book of works in this respect. The book of remembrance has an application to this life. To this life. When God remembers faithfulness, Brandon. When God remembers consideration. When God remembers that it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to be recorded. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. A cup of cold water is enough to be recorded, he says. You won't lose it. You won't lose it. Sometimes he says, you have to stand against the odds. Sometimes you have to stand up in the face of ridicule and it just seems like nobody's on your side according to Matthew chapter 6. You're the only one in a conversation that stands up for Jesus and by and large it looks like you lost the argument. That's what it says. You've been reviled. You've been put down. It doesn't look like you came out a winner. Hallelujah. He says, I want you to rejoice. <laughs> Glory to God. Because I want you to know that I'm coming. And I saw it. And I'm going to reward you for your steadfastness and for the position that you took with regard to that hour and to that time. You won't lose it, he said. Because I've written it down. It says, great is your reward in heaven. We've got to stand. We've got to close. We've got to shut up, Don. Hallelujah. <laughs> Destiny. And remembrance. What I love about God... is that you can mess up and then you start and try again and you mess up again he doesn't bring up the old mess he just deals with the present hallelujah yeah we got to deal with the present but we're not going to bring up what happened 10 years ago 5 years ago no no we're not going to do it. We're just going to go ahead and recover you right now and where you're, where you're at. Oh, hallelujah. It makes the Father so happy. The Bible says that he's so happy that it just radiates through heaven. When one sinner repents, all of heaven just starts to, re, to rejoice. Because God loves fresh starts. And he wants you to finish your course. Finish it. A lot of us don't have too far to go to eat, so I'm going to hold you a little longer. Now, <laughs> the Lord just spoke to my heart to pray for the brokenhearted. You know there's such a thing as broken hearts. It says he comes to heal 
the brokenhearted. Sometimes there's, a, there's issues in life that so captivate us, you know, and so weight us that, that, that we engage ourselves in it, but sometimes we don't know when to release it or how to release it. Remember Jesus in the garden, heaviness. You know, it was so heavy that as he prayed and made intercession that it says that he sweat as though it was great drops of blood. And three times he made that, was engaged in that. And then he finally said, let's get up. Let's get up. Amen. Why? Because he doesn't want you. He wants you to know he's heard the prayer. And now you can be released from that heavy intercession. And you're committing it to Jesus, whoever lives, to make intercession. Hallelujah. You're not carrying it. It's such a burden that it's immobilizing you anymore. You're going ahead because you're trusting, you know, the outcome. See, Jesus had to trust the outcome. Church, listen. He had to trust the outcome of his next hour in the Father's hands. He did. He did not, you know, go into the grave in the, in the sense that, well, I'm God and so I'm just going to resurrect myself. No, he did not. Was totally in the Father's hands. Oh, yes. You got to go ahead and say, okay, okay. It's in the Father's hands. There'll always be a resurrection once we get it in to the Father's hands. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Love one another. Amen. And God, restore your broken heart today. Hallelujah. With faith and confidence that it's in His hands. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.